If you want to turn in your Bibles to Mark 4, verse 21, please. Mark 4, 21. If you look at the book of Mark, you're like, oh, it's only a few pages, but it's just, isn't that amazing about God's Word, how deep you can go into it? So, I want to ask a question, Mark 4, 21. You can turn there. Who has selective hearing? Or every guy, okay, generally should put up their hand. Okay. Because there's sometimes Starla says stuff that you, you know that she's talking, okay? I want that, I'm actually going to take it. I'm not going to make it personal. Let's just say a guy would hear their wife talking, so I don't get into trouble. And it sounds like this a little bit, you know what I mean? And you're like, you're picking up the idea of it every second or third word, but then you're like, did you hear what I said? You're like, yes, but you actually didn't. It's called selective hearing because generally what you're being asked is to do something and you're like, I've just sat on the couch. You know what I mean? Just, can we just work this out a little bit later, please? And then we have a thing in our home called selective smelling. Who has kids? Whoever smells the poop has to deal with the poop, okay? And, uh, and I sometimes, like, you know, and I've, I've become a little bit better at this, but sometimes you know that you're like, oh, I just don't feel like dealing with this right now. So you're like, and then all of a sudden, so I was like, what smells? I'm like, I never smelled anything. <laughs> it's called selective smelling. Uh, there's also selective seeing. And I, generally, I'm talking to guys here because girls, we just get on with it and we honor you and we love you. But guys, guys are, do have selective hearing, smelling, doing. And, um, and I think this, I was just sitting uh, yesterday and thinking, what is the point of this text that we're going to be reading through today? And it's the, it speaks about a lamp and a seed and, and about hearing. And it's, there's, a, there's a line that Jesus says that he hears, he hears, let him hear. And he says it twice. And it's Jesus just saying, listen up. Don't be selective in your hearing of what I'm saying. That actually, if you, if you kind of lean in, and I want, there's a prophetic word, I think, Kaz, you bought it. Like when you're going up a mountain, you're leaning forward. And it's like almost that's the sense we need. To, when we lean into God, we begin to hear more and more of what he's saying. And this is what's happened in this text. There's a few lines that I'm going to read and kind of hopefully open up a little bit. But it's it just, it, I could mine it deeper and deeper and deeper. Okay, so the, the amazing thing, and if you take the subtitle to today's message, obviously it's Mark 4 but it's called kingdom power. And so often I've grown up in charismatic circles where it's like power, you know, someone gets up in the front and they, and they like, and that's good. We need those moments where we're filled with the spirit. Uh, we, we, we need these power encounters. Those of you who grew up in, in a charismatic church would have been to a conference called Power Encounter and uh, you would have been encountered by the power, which is we need and good. And, but then when I, when I see what Jesus talks about power and he starts to talk about his kingdom, he talks about a lamp and a seed, which is, an, it's just like when Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world, it's not. And so often we can superimpose bigger is better, larger, uh, flashier is better. And where Jesus is saying that actually the way the kingdom of God works is a seed. It's small. It's a light. Don't put it, don't hide it. Put it out on the stand so everyone can see it. It starts. And as, as you see, it's like the, it's the yeast amongst the dough. And it says the kingdom of God is like. And Jesus was trying to describe to his disciples, because obviously Jesus would have known the future. He, he is God and he understood that if they understood the small thing, that, that the kingdom of God starts small and spreads and gets bigger and bigger, we'd understand how, how, what it means to operate within the kingdom of God. And then there's even Jesus says something, he goes, even a cup of water we give to someone carries weight in the kingdom. It's done with love and in sacrifice. So let's just get, this comes obviously off the parable of the sower. Um, and verse 21, it says, He said to them, 
Do you bring a lamp? Sorry. He said to them, do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on a stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone who has ears to hear, let them hear. So obviously Jesus is talking about here, and it's written kind of, this is NIV, there's other versions you can go read to get a bit more clarity on it. But it's basically Jesus says, listen, the secrets that I'm telling you in secret, they're actually meant to be shouted from the rooftops. They're meant to be proclaimed. They're meant to be like this kingdom secret. And Jesus, and I said a couple of weeks ago that Jesus spoke in parables, and it may seem cryptic, but because N.T. Wright says it was so deep, so explosive, that if he said it out front, people, it would just be almost too much for people to handle. And the only way we can really understand parables and scripture as a whole is by his spirit. We need to, we need to approach the scriptures that we read by his spirit first and we say, God, would you help me understand this? And you can, from there you can pick up commentaries and, and different study Bibles and that'll help you kind of supplement. But primarily, the spirit is the spirit of truth. And we have to trust that the same spirit for, that has been around from eternity, but then baptized the church 2,000 years ago is the one that's leading us into all truth. So if we stick close to him, we can actually understand what the word of God says. So if you, when you see a word like light or lamp, you have to start the way we're meant to read the Bible. And I learned this from Bible Project is that you read it year after year, time after time, and you begin to pick up little parts that all connect to one another. So when you see light or you see lamp, you should go back and think, okay, well, this means that. Or you're like, so let's look at the word light. So if you read scripture, it starts in Genesis that there was light before there was the sun. Who is the light? Jesus. I'm the light of the world. In the beginning was the word, the word was God, the word was, was with God in the beginning, etc. Yes. Jaya, 10 out of 10. So when you read scripture and then you go back to Genesis, you're like, okay, there was light before there was night or day, whatever it is. Then there was, you go to the end of scripture, Revelation, where it says there wasn't, there's no sun, there's that God himself, that Jesus himself, Revelation 22, 5 is the one that brings a light. So you start to look at that and then you start to look at light throughout scripture. And you look throughout the Old Testament and there's little moments where, they, where the, the Israelite people were taken out of slavery by a fire at night and a cloud by day. There was a sense of, are we following the light into the promised land? We could start to pre- kind of put all of these things together. And then there was a thing called the menorah. Who knows? Who's heard of that? Put up on the back, please. I always thought the menorah was a small thing because uh, you kind of grow up and you see like in, in Jewish households, they've got like a little menorah on, on their, their thing. But it's actually one of the oldest symbols for the Jewish people, even before the Star of David. So it's, and, and it was way bigger. So when it was first kind of constructed in, um, in Exodus 25, God's giving kind of instructions around the tabernacle. And they said, there's a menorah. And obviously the priest goes and lights the candles. And there's a whole bunch of d- deeper meaning that I can't go into right now. But we can first of all start about that. Actually, if you look at it in the in this tabernacle, there's this, this kind of moving tent in the desert that, that Moses set up. The menorah would bring light into that darkness. And if you go study around, like he, understanding Jewish culture is that that was a reminder for the Jewish people to be the light to the nations, which is taken from Isaiah 42, 6. It says, I, the Lord, have called you to demonstrate my righteousness. You can take that. Oh, that's cool. Good. I will take you by the hand and guard you, and I will give you my people, Israel, as a symbol of my covenant to them. And, you'll, and, and you will be a light to guard the nations. That is the, the, the call on the Jewish people 
Eventually that kind of finds its fullness in Christ, which I'll get onto now. But even if you look at the Jewish people now, and I, I just, uh, I was listening to this, this podcast and this guy said, oh, there's only 14.5 or 14.8 million Jews worldwide. Let's just take a city of Istanbul is 16 million. So worldwide, there's only 14 million Jews, maybe six or seven million in Israel. The rest of them are through the diaspora, diaspora, they've spread across the earth, but they've brought an effect to change in every single industry we can think of. I just listed a few, and, we, and I, I read an article last night about um, just kind of the, the effect of Judeo-Christian Judeo worldview, but also particularly the Jewish people on their effect on the world. And it's just, it's just interesting. You think this, like, this is God's people that have been brought through time, and we obviously get grafted in as followers of Jesus to be part of the people of God. Uh, and there's, there's 14, I've said that already, but they've, they've in every area, music, banking, industry, farming, tech, finance, entertainment, you can find at some point there was, there was someone of, of, of Jewish origin that was behind that. That's, I think there's many reasons they grow up in, even in like kind of thousands of years ago, in, in illiterate cultures, they were literate. They were learning the Bible. Even as fishermen, these guys, Peter and those guys would have known the Old Testament Bible. They would have had to recite it to a certain age. There was, so there's all these things that, and it's obviously God's kind of plan is to, for them to be the light to the nations. But that obviously finds its fullness in Jesus. Being a Jewish man, born in, in Israel under kind of Roman uh, oppression, And he is the light to the nations. And the thing is what Jesus comes and he shows what true power is. He doesn't show that true power is through politics, entertainment, finance, all of these things. TikTok, Instagram, politics, whatever it is. True power Jesus finds in service. He says if you want to be the greatest, you have to serve. The, just, we, I just sat yesterday and was meditating on the God of the, of the whole universe. As far as telescopes can kind of shoot out and are still shooting out and they're getting onto Mars and they're getting further. And they, the God of everything became Jesus, became the, came and dwelt amongst us as the son of God. And what did he do? He, he washed his disciples' feet. And I just started to think about where true power lay. True power is not on this, these kind of seven mountains that we ascend and we get kind of, and we can kind of shift culture. No, actually, the way we shift culture is through serving. On our knees, washing people's feet. What does that mean? Does, do we physically wash people's feet? Probably, probably not. Maybe we need to, but we actually serve, we serve the least of these. We serve those who are far from God. We, the, the, and I said this a couple, of, a couple of weeks ago, that the plan of God is for his people to bring light. This, this light to the nations gets transposed onto us as followers of Jesus to be the light of the world. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And we get to bring, and how do we do it? We serve, we love, we sacrifice. We become like Jesus to show Jesus the world. It's amazing that Jesus, not only does he says of himself, I'm the light of the world, but then he says, you are the light of the world. You and I get to be this light, the guide to the nations. That is the responsibility. It's huge as followers of Jesus. And it can only happen when it's service and sacrifice, like I've said. Then we get to the middle of this, verse 24, and this is the hearing part. Consider carefully what you hear. He continued, with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. 
and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even that will be have taken away from them. From them. Jesus is teaching his disciples how to listen properly. And if you look at Luke 18, which is kind of the parallel uh, gospel of this, and it says it's how you hear that's important. And we can sit here, like I said, week after week, get the word of God in us. We can have, we can have daily Bible readings. We can do all of these things, but we don't, there's no real effect of change because I don't think we've, we've listened like God wants us to listen. To, to press in, to push into Him. And it's not so much about the quantity because it's not like this moral thing, I need to do more to, to earn favor from God. No, no, it doesn't work like that. It's all grace anyway, but it's, it's, it's where we place our object of affection and our lives and seeking first His kingdom. And actually the wording here, it says, with the measure you use, it will measure to you and even more. The same wording is from Matthew 6.33. It says, seek first my kingdom and all these things, that same wording will be given to you. Isn't that amazing? That, that as you seek, that, that God's plan is that you seek first His kingdom in every part of your life. And that for me is listening. It's, under, it's more than just listening, but it's doing, it's stepping in, it's understanding, it's being obedient. It's discovering what's already been given in seed form. When we get saved, God plants His seed in us. He plants His truth in us. He plants stuff in it. And I think a lot of our, our following of Jesus is actually discovering what God's already planted in and watering it and letting it come to life. So I want to read a scripture out of 2 Peter. I don't think I have it behind me. But it says, 2 Peter, it says, to those who through the righteousness of God, our Savior, 2 Peter 1 verse 2, I think. To those who through the righteousness of our God, our Savior, have received a faith as precious as ours. We've received a faith. It's not through work, it's through just, it's believing. It's it's where we place the object of our faith and our affection. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. I love that. We we can dwell on these, these lines. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of our God and our Lord Jesus Christ. If we don't have grace and peace in our lives, are we, are we in? Verse three, it says, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who has called us, in, uh, so has called us by His own glo- uh, glory and goodness. Through these, He has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by, caused by evil desires. I love that. It says yeah, that, that through this you may participate in divine nature. That we as followers of Jesus, we step out of the corruption and the ways of this world to really listen and to understand and to hear Jesus, that we get to participate as sons and daughters in the divine nature of God. Like we, these, this is beyond Christianese. This is beyond church, church ways. Because I've been in church a long time and we can get really stuck around like certain ways church do things. But this is actually, we get to participate through Jesus, through the blood of Jesus into the divine, the divine nature of who God is himself. Dubai will do everything to keep you at a surface level. Jesus is saying, he says, listen, you can be like the crowds that can just listen. Oh, Jesus is saying that that's nice, cool. What are we doing afterwards? Let's go. Or we could be like those who dig deeper, who find ourselves deeper, and we begin to listen truly what Jesus says. And I can tell you, when you begin to, once you hear, you're responsible. 
And once you're responsible, you're obedient. And once you're obedient, you begin to see God working in and through your life. And then the second part of this is a seed. He also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then a full kernel on the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts a sickle to it because the harvest has come. Verse 30. Again, he said, what shall the kingdom of God be like? Or what parable parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. We are meant to be shade for the world as followers of Jesus. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable, but when he was alone with his disciples, he explained everything. So when we say the kingdom of God, sometimes we can miss the largeness of what that is. It's God's domain, the king's domain, the kingdom of God. And um, when he's describing, he says, listen, the kingdom of God is like a seed. The kingdom of God starts small. It starts, and if, if I look at, I think it's almost like this lesson that Jesus is trying to teach these, these disciples. Do not despise small beginnings. They were expecting, like I've said many times, just this, this king to come like David will come sweeping across Israel and take back the land and everything will be restored. But Jesus says, no, the kingdom of God works like a seed. It goes down into the ground. It dies. comes to life. I googled, how do seeds grow? And anyone ever done that? This is, this is sermon research. Googled, how do seeds grow? And what I found after reading two or three articles and kind of a few summaries is that they, they, it still puzzles them. It still puzzles people. They know how it grows. They know that things happen. But where did the life behind the life behind the life start from? How did a dead seed become alive? Shed its kind of outside, begins to kind of pop through, sprouts up, and eventually becomes a tree. How, how, how does that thing happen? And I mean, that is an argument in and of itself that for the validity of who God is, that, we, that things just cannot be here by chance, that, we, that, that God is he's a creator, he's been involved in his creation. But the amazing thing about the seed is that it says, yeah, even uh, 1 Corinthians 3 verse 5, it says, what after all, this is Paul writing about church leadership, is Apollos, and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord assigned each task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. The kingdom of God, we don't understand. That's what we, we say that it's, it happens while we're sleeping. It's like the, there's a seed of God. There's even a scripture, I think it's in Isaiah 55. It says that every word that goes out from God's mouth will accomplish the thing that, I've got it here. Okay, so this is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will, retu- it will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. God's word is a seed in our lives. And that's why even in, we are not called, called to preach the gospel. We're not the ones who are called to convert. The Holy Spirit does that. Sometimes I've seen that in, it takes people years. You, you sow the seed. You plant the seed of the gospel. You tell them about there's this, there's this other life. But then they still have to work through so many things in their own life. But we have to trust that God is the one who does the work. And I think so often we try to push people over the line too quickly. And I love Jeff's stories. It's just, I just went out to love the city. 
And that is how we sow seed. We, we just, we, we scatter the seed of God's love and we just, and we, we, we show who God is. We show the kingdom of God and we begin to see the seed just grow slowly in people's lives. We mustn't, I love the lesson, Yana. It's, we mustn't despise small beginnings. This church, by God's grace, has grown, but it started literally as, a, as like a, a thought. It's like, God, I know you kind of put a, um, some kind of desire in my heart to, to lead people, to plant a church, to establish something. And I, I felt it and prayed through it for years. Brought it to Starless. She's a church planter's kid. She's like, no, we won't do that. That's, that's, I've, I've planted a church with my dad. It's not as easy as you think it is. God spoke to her. We came, we came together on board and God began to speak. And I was, in, I was 26, 27 years old. And God just began to just drop in. Little things, and it's a seed that begins to grow and grow and grow. And we've just seen God just do amazing things. Obviously, it's been, it's a, the church is growing, we're expanding. It's a, it's, a, it's a church that where lots of people are coming and going just because of the city we live in. And, um, and I want to say, like, with the challenge that I kind of felt to, to leave here is that God has put kingdom desires in some of your hearts. Some of you are thinking, oh, that's just a thought. No, no, it's actually God planting a seed inside of you. He's planting something of the kingdom of God. I met with some business guys who are just dreaming about the future and the kingdom of God. And I just, I love it because it starts with a little seed. And I've got a, a photo here of all things that smarter. Can we just put the photo up of those garages if it's up? Apple, Google, Amazon, Harley, Disney, Metal, all started in garages, all started small. And I want to say this morning, I don't know if this is like a prophetic thing or whatever it is, but like I think that some of you have had dreams of what God wants to do in and three, and I just really feel like this is the season for you to step out. And, it's, and it doesn't have to be big. You don't have to start with like a million dirham backing. It's, it's a small dream that God will just kind of pour his life into. So can we stand to our feet? Father, we... We thank you, Jesus, just for how you've taught us about the kingdom, how you operate in the kingdom of God, that it's, that it starts small. And even if the kind of history tells us that that group of, small group of followers of Jesus in Israel 2,000 years ago just grew and grew and grew and eventually changed literally the whole Western world and it kind of spread across the whole world and just your kingdom is ever expanding Lord Jesus and I just pray for this this morning Lord God that there's those who are sitting with dreams and desires that are from you and only you the one that can bring it to fruition Father we thank you Jesus for this morning we thank you for your presence we worship you we honor you in Jesus name Amen. Amen